Wow, we are just done with the round of 16 matches in Australia. What an amazing few days it's been. It's now set quarterfinal action. We have with us again our expert analyst, David Zakoden. Give us a brief recap of the round of 16 matches along with the quarterfinal breakdown. David, you, uh, you well rested and, and ready to go these next few days? Yeah, I must say I'm a bit worn out maybe by the lack of accuracy in my picks from our recent uh, podcast that we did uh, as the weekend was kicking off. But there's been some great tennis, and as always, I uh, really appreciate you having me on, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to get into this, this analysis. All right, so let's start with U.S. time late Saturday night into Sunday morning. Um, two huge, huge matches, two huge stories occurred and we'll start with um, the loss of Roger Federer's match he played Stefano Tsitsipas good match I mean it was tight but Roger goes down I'll, I'll let you lead off and then I'm gonna talk a little bit about Fed as well yeah you know it was I think there's actually probably a handful of people who might have ventured out to pick this one if you if you looked at Tsitsipas's results over the last 12 months but definitely a shocker seeing that um it ended with Tsitsipas winning the last three sets I kind of thought that after Federer won the first in that tight tie break that he was really gonna put a stranglehold on that match and he even talked about in his post-match press conference how important he thought it was for him to win that second because at that point Tsitsipas could have been um, broken mentally from that standpoint, um, but that is that was not the case. And you got to give all the credit to Tsitsipas for how well he played and how resilient he was. Um, there's, you know, he's. It's very clear that he's going to be one of the top and up and coming players. But there's some kind of intangible factor that he had within him that night, and we'll see if he can continue it throughout the rest of the tournament. And it helped him beat Federer, and he just played better than him. And you know, Federer talked about that extensively. And you know, maybe you can talk a little bit more about what this means about the outlook on Federer. You know, looking back and moving forward. But I just think within the isolated moment of this tournament, it's just a great match for Tsitsipas. And you know, Federer, as he always does, he's probably the best in history at shaking off losses in early rounds or early stages of tournaments i think he's going to bounce back from this and you know he loves the sport too much to let something like this bother him right the the obvious stat that screams out to everybody was the break point chances that fed had oh for 12 in break points and if you're giving roger federer 12 chances to break i'm taking that every single time and that i mean that obviously was critical that he not convert on any one of those that's an amazing stat let's go back in time and see if that's ever happened in fed's career where he was 0 for 12 um like i said i take that every time if you're going to tell me fed has 12 chances to break you so let's i do want to kind of take a step back because as he gets older everyone starts getting a little freak freaked out on is this it is is his level way down is this his last couple tournaments this is last year I want to kind of break this down a little bit, and, and we'll talk about his past few Grand Slams. On, on the pros side of things, he played Kevin Anderson in the quarters at Wimbledon. He lost 13-11 in the fifth set. He was up two sets to love in that match, and I believe he was serving for the match with match points at 40-15. He also won more total points than Kevin Anderson that match. Played well at the Australian Open, round of 16. 
We just talked about it. 0 for 12 on break points. That's not going to happen a lot with Roger. So, yeah, you're seeing him lose at the quarters of Wimbledon. You're seeing him lose at the round of 16 in Australia. And you're like, whoa, he's not losing in the finals or semis. Those two matches I described are basically coin flips. Super, super close. So that's the pro side. I still think he's hitting the ball well. I still think he's moving well. The cons, the stuff that we kind of need to look out, look out after is the, the loss of the U.S. Open. John Millman. We've seen this with great champions in the past near their end of their careers. They start having these questionable losses. In that match, the heat got to Roger. We never, never thought Roger would be affected by something like that. We also have father time. And then we also have the recent news that he would like to play the clay court season. So what does that mean? Does that mean this is kind of his swan song and that's it? Um, those are the two sides of, um, I guess, you know, Roger Federer going forward. To me, as long as that back holds up, He's still moving and hitting the ball well. I'm not overly concerned, and it is absolutely amazing what he's doing at 37, and whether or not he plays the Clays, he will play Wimbledon. He's going to be just shy of 38 years old. It's unbelievable how well he still is moving and hitting the ball. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with the, that pro and con assessment, and I think ultimately, as many of the great legends, not only in the sport of tennis, but in many other sports, Roger wants to be the guy that retires on his own terms. And he, I think he'll know better than anyone when the right time to go is. And that's why any sort of guesses or predictions that we make with regard to his retirement are, are pure speculation. You know, I, I thought that maybe last year it could have been his last year after he cried after winning the Australian Open. Um, I said at the beginning of this year that if, if he wanted to, things could tee up well for him to retire either after Labor Cup in Switzerland or after his hometown Basel turn. It's all speculation. Um, the clay bit is interesting because he said, I believe his words were that he missed it and that he doesn't feel the need to take such a big break again. So does that mean that he feels healthier than he did after the last two seasons because he bowed out of Australia earlier? I, I'm not sure quite how to read into that statement, but again, um, we just it's kind of that thing where we can never take Roger Federer for granted because we don't know how much longer he's going to be around and you know this this past Saturday night was just another reminder of how um, the the younger generation is is continuing to knock on that door and and then sometime soon presumably we'll be without Federer yep 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 yeah, well said so let's move on to the other huge huge match that happened late Saturday night into Sunday morning Young American Francis TFO against Grigor Dimitrov. I know we both talked about that match in our previous podcast. We both thought Dimitrov, I, I believe I said Dimitrov would win in a um, tight four sets. I, th- I believe you agreed with me. Um, great, great win for, for Francis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say it was really shocking to me how sort of lackadaisical Dimitrov was in that match and I couldn't really understand why and on one hand it seemed like he really wasn't there physically he didn't seem as as imposing from the back of the court as he had been in previous rounds and I mean I don't see if it was great from the back of the court but he I wouldn't call him a a big hitter per se at least not to compare against some of the other American players that we have and and Grigor just didn't seem to be that aggressive. 
Uh, his confidence didn't seem to be high in a match where, I mean, yeah, TFO has been playing great, but Dimitrov was in, um, without a doubt the favorite. And, and mentally, he just kind of seemed like he was in a funk the whole match. You saw they were cutting to Agassi pretty consistently throughout the match, and he was doing everything he could to try to pump up Grigor, being vocal, being demonstrative. And again, you know, the coach can only do so much. But it just seemed like Grigor was in this funk, and then I kind of thought that once he won the third set, and once it started looking like uh, TFO was either on the verge of cramping or really didn't have anything left in the tank, I thought Grigor wins this fourth, and then the fifth is like a 6-1, 6 yeah. type of deal. He looked a little bit more confident, and he just never put it together, and I couldn't, I, I, for the life of me, could not understand why. I mean, we all have bad days, but to be so far removed from the top of your game in the round of 16 of a major with a golden opportunity to make it to, let's say, the semis of the Australian Open, which is the, the furthest Dimitrov has, has been in the Grand Slam. I mean, I don't know sort of what happened there. But yeah. again, as you mentioned, credit to TFO. He, he hung tough um, with regard to his physical status and was able to come through in that fourth set when least the commentators thought that he was that he was almost done for so credit to him again it's going to be very tough for him against um rafa uh, tonight because rafa is going to be very physically imposing and i don't think that um he's going to be he's going to get any gifts from his opponents like dimitrov gave him but again this is all positive news for for tiafo for you know the sole ray of light in, in american tennis for this for on the men's side for the australian open yeah, I will say, um, you know, we we talk with each other and we talk with others. I mean, Grigor Dimitrov is, is one of the most talented guys out there. And for some reason, he's just not been able to put it together. And, and I hope, you know, he's a really good sportsman. He's, he's great out there, great to watch. And uh, it's kind of weird that he hasn't really done better than um, what he's previously done in slams. But hopefully he gets it together because that was not like a bad matchup for him. Um, also, weird stat was Grigor won more total points than, than TFO. So that was kind of odd. But yeah, um, all credit to, to Francis, and, and I agree with you. It's, it's, he's going to face a different different opponent tonight, and I don't think uh, anybody is really giving him a chance, maybe outside of his own family. But um, it's going to be a great experience for him. I don't know what he has that can really hurt Rafa, and you could say that about a lot of guys, right. That's it. Um, So we'll we'll see. It's going to be fun to watch, but I think he's going to be fighting an uphill battle tonight. So let's move on to the other match tonight. Um, We got the guy who beat Fed. We talked about him earlier. Stefanos Tsitsipas plays Batista Agut, who has been absolutely on fire again. He beat Andy Murray, beat John Milne, beat Kachanov, and then he beat. He most recently beat Marin Cilic. Who you got in that match? I have Roberto Batista Agut in that match, and I, I know it's not. I'm sure the majority of people will be rooting for Tsitsipas for the you know the next gen, the young star storyline to continue. Um, but I think that this has the classic um, sort of next match letdown written all over it. Now, if there's anybody who can avoid it, it's Tsitsipas because he has demonstrated that he's got some kind of mental edge 
that these other young guys, Shapovalov, Zverev, to name a few, have just simply not shown at any point in their career so far. He's got something. But Batista, good, his resilience in that match against Chilich, I mean, Chilich played well. Chilich played well in that match. And for Batista Good, who physically is a, is a massive underdog against against Chilich, you know, both from a serving standpoint and from the back of the court, for him to grind out that match was was immensely impressive. And and similar to the narrative that we talked about with Rafa and Tiafo in a different context slightly, Batista Good is not going to give um, Pass anything in terms of unforced errors. He's not going to... He's not going to go 0 for 12 on break points if he gets that many opportunities. Again, I'm not trying to slight Federer. I'm just saying that Batista Gude is playing at a level right now that we haven't seen before. And that's why I was confident in paying him against Chilich. And I just think Tsitsipas probably believes that whatever he dis- displayed on Saturday night was his best tennis. Right. And, or close to it. Right. And to come out again today, and I heard it's going to get hotter um, to come out here today and and to do that again against the guy who's playing the best tennis of his life, I just I just think it's a bit too much to ask for from Tsitsipas. Again, I could be wrong. He could be defying the odds. But a lot of people made the comp um, with regard to Tsitsipas beating Federer in this year's round of 16 to the 2001 uh, Wimbledon match where Federer took out Sampras in... I believe it was around a 16 of Wimbledon. And if you remember, Federer came out in the quarterfinals and got absolutely clobbered by, um, I want to say, Tim Henman in the next match. Could be wrong on that. And I think similar, the similar thing will happen to Tsitsipas tonight. Well said. Yeah, very very much could happen. And we've seen it happen in the past. And, and again, it could happen tonight. At, uh, good analysis, David. So let's go to the top of the draw. We're going to start with the top quarter. These are going to be played tomorrow night, um, which will be Tuesday night into Wednesday morning in the, in the States. We got Novak Djokovic, who just continues to be on a roll, versus Kane Shikori, who has survived. That's, I think, the best way to describe uh, Kay's run in, in Australia. I, I think it's going to be uh, too much Novak in that match, and I'd be stupid, and I think anybody would be stupid to go against Novak right now. Yeah, that's that looks like one-way traffic to me. Um, it, it's interesting. I, I don't think Novak has, has, has necessarily shown his best tennis. We, we saw him drop a set to Shapovalov. He dropped a set last night to Medvedev. Um, but I just think he's, Nishikori is a really bad... I'm sorry, Novak is a very bad matchup for Nishikori. I know they had that U.S. Open semifinal way back when in um, 2014 when when Nishikori took him out there but if you look at the past, they just played in the most recent US Open I think and and Djokovic played, killed them killed them they played they played in the last two grand slams they played in the semifinals of the US Open right. where Djokovic destroyed him yep. and then Djokovic beat him in four sets in the um, quarterfinals of Wimbledon okay. and so with these results in hand I just think the mental edge is is way too tall uh, for Kay to come through. And again, he's credit to him for enduring some of these five set battles that he's um, that he's endured uh, throughout this tournament. And you know, most notably last night, coming back from five eight down in a controversial super breaker against uh, Pablo Carreño Busta. But this is just 
it's it's not going to go well for King. It's a great tournament. He he didn't play the Australian Open last year, so getting into the quarters is going to get him a ton of ranking points. Um, and ultimately, though, it's, this is this is Joker's this is Joker's sweet spot. Right. And to sum up, the last quarterfinal match. Interesting story too. We got Milos Raonic who. Beat Zverev, and I don't know, it, it was like Zverev was crushed with the Kansas City Chiefs loss or something because that match started right after the game ended last night. And Zverev, for two sets, may as well not have even been out there. Um, it's just so strange. And Sasha was playing okay up to, up to this match. I know there was some question about possible leg injury, but again, a disappo- disappointing result in the slam for Sasha. Got to give credit to Milos. He's had a, a really good tournament, and he plays Lucas Puy, who I have to give you credit. We were probably about a year off on this, but in our 2017 year-end segment, you had mentioned this was a guy to to really look out for. He had a kind of a rough year last year, but um, he has he, he has Moresmo with him, right? He has Moresmo with him now, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, it's a good result for Lucas Puy. So roundish Puy. Roundish is playing well, and he's he's got that big serve. If he's hitting big, I, the way he's played this tournament alone, I gotta go with Milos. Yeah, it's uh, it's really deflating to see. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I to the listeners out there, I have been an outspoken critic of Milos Roundish's tennis game, and and not a supporter of of uh, his style of play. But I just think this is. Um, a great spot for him to get back to the semis of the Australian Open. And you, know, you mentioned my call on Luca Pui, and again, the guy is just so immensely talented. I was actually surprised that he took out George. I thought George was going to win that match. But with Pui, the biggest thing is it's mental. You know, he kept it together pretty well against George. Uh, he doesn't really show that much, you know, one way or another. But he was very impressive in the round of 16 to, to get to this point. But again, Browner just served. He's more battle-tested. And I just think, I don't think Pui's ready for, for the occasion of the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam and potentially getting in the semis, playing Novak, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just don't think that he's in a position right now where he's going to come through, whereas Raonic is red hot and he's confident because out of all the quarterfinalists, he's probably had... I mean, if you take out Tsitsipas' win over Federer, he's probably had the toughest draw, having to go through Kyrgios, um, who, again, not too tough these days, but still, Kyrgios, Vavrinka, Zverev, with whatever the heck was going on with him, I just think Raonic is, is on fire right now, and there's there's not a lot that's going to stop him until we get to the point where he's playing against somebody like Novak. Yeah. All right, well, there you have the, the uh, quarterfinal breakdown. I, I'll tell you what, upsets are what makes sports so great. And tonight we have a young American. We've been searching for him for uh, a while now. And he's going up against a giant tonight in Rafa. Can, 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 uh, can I just uh, quickly interject on that? Because I think there's, you said, I completely agree with you that underdog upsets are what makes sports great. But... Do you really think that that's true among some of the old school tennis fans? Because I, for example, like I think it's great that Tsitsipas beat Federer. I will be elated if somehow Tiafo finds a way to beat Nadal. But do you think that some of these Grand Slams lose their luster if we've got guys who've always been there, guys in the big three who are 
me off in the semis or finals. Like who's not for not for Americans when we've been starving so long for someone. If we can get Francis past this match, I think it'd be awesome. Okay. I'll end it with that. <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, since since I mean, the great we had the greatest generation of U.S. tennis players, and we've been searching so long for it. If he can upset Rafael Nadal tonight and get to the semifinals and possibly the finals of a Slam, I think that would be one of the great stories in sports. My opinion. But do I think it's going to happen? That's a different story. <laughs> Tune in at three a.m. Eastern to find out. That's it. Thanks, David. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. No problem. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. That's the quarterfinal breakdown. Again, thank you to David Dakoden for taking time out of his day, breaking down the matches with me. We'll release this. I'll have it on iTunes and Google Play, and I'll put it on Twitter. And check out, um, posted an interesting article. Um, a, a friend and colleague of mine, wrote an article, I asked him if he was interested in doing it, and it would be fun, and uh, I thought it would be fun for him to do. He coached his son, he's a uh, USPA, USPTA teaching professional, master string technician, and he wrote about the journey about him being both a dad and a coach to his son, and I posted the article this morning, go check it out, it's on my website, BelinsonTennis.com, it's also on my Facebook page, I put it on Twitter, and it's all that good stuff too, so... Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk soon.